Why is it important to follow up with customers who have purchased your products on Amazon? What kind of things can and can't you say when messaging your customers? What's a subject line that got one seller a 40% open rate on his emails? Find out this and more on today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that is a completely unscripted and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. I've got a co-employee with me today. Barkus Patty is calling in remote here. Barkus, how's it going? It's great, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Now, this is your first time. I remember you were out here at the office last week. I wanted to record the episode, but we had some hardware failure. So we got this cool new piece of equipment here. And now I can hear you. I can't see you, but I think everybody else can uh, if, if we have this YouTube recorded here. So anyways, I wanted to reach out to you because you are our resident expert, our product manager for our follow-up tool. And I, I you know, this is not going to be, don't worry guys, it's not going to be some kind of a Helium 10 sales pitch or anything, but what happened here, you know, at Helium 10 is I was kind of like the go-to guy for almost any tool that we had. And I was doing okay, you know, for a lot of our tools, you know, anybody had any kind of use case or, you know, people in the Facebook groups, people here internally, they had an issue with Cerebro. They wanted to know how to use it. I was like, Hey, this is a great way to use Cerebro. But one thing that I never really used before I was working here at Helium 10 as a consultant, cause it just wasn't in my, wasn't in my tool shed was using automated email. So, you know, I made a couple of the emails for, or the couple of the videos for follow-up once we launched the tool. But honestly, I am no expert on this subject at all. You are, you are brought on as an expert on this and you know more about our tool. And now, you know, as you, since you've been here, I'm sure you've been studying just the, the, the space in general about, about email follow-up. So I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask you about and also give you an opportunity to talk about some of what you've noticed is the frequently asked questions about any kind of email automation in general when it comes to Amazon accounts. So my first question to you is, what would you say is the number one reason that people should be trying to reach out in some kind of automated way to their Amazon customers? Okay. So I guess the number one reason would be because it's reviews are just the gold standard of social proof. We all know that we need reviews to make this wheel turn and turn and turn and turn faster, more reviews, more sales, and keeps kind of building and, and gaining momentum. And I think with emails in general, I think a lot of people kind of um, don't connect the way that they should with their customers. Um, but it's such a simple and an effective way to do so. And once you have these emails going out and they're working and they're ineffective, it's automated. And then one of the big processes in scaling any business, any business, whether it's a restaurant or selling products online is automating or delegating what you can. The more that you automate and the more that you delegate, the more that you can do things, free up your time and work on other things that you're good at. So, you know, I guess it's kind of a bigger question, but basically you, you want to automate and delegate everything that you can. And this is just a necessity. Now, there's tons of ways that we're not going to get into it about gaining reviews and, and connecting with people. But, you know, using a tool like follow up is, is absolutely crucial in 2019 because it gets harder and harder every year 
to get reviews. Yeah, I agree. Now, you know, obviously you've been in the Amazon space for a number of years. What has been, you know, things that you've heard from, from other people about maybe people who were not using any kind of automated email service and, you know, you still are going to get reviews. It's not like if you don't have, if you're not contacting your customers after the fact, you're going to get zero reviews. We know that's not true. So, you know, there is a regular review rate and there's one that maybe can happen after you are contacting them. Can you give us any kind of numbers? I mean, I've heard things in the past, like sometimes one out of every 200 organic orders gets reviews or one out of every hundred, but, but what's your experience in that? I would say 5% is high for somebody who's not following up. And I, I would say it's probably average for somebody who is following up. So I think that there's always, there's always rooms for, there's always room for improvement in my opinion, when it, when it comes to this, because it's always about that connection. Um, I bought a product the other day, just for, as an example, and it really applies to this as an example. Um, and I'm, I was going to do a video, uh, for the group, I bought a product. Uh, it's just a plug-in, uh, lapel mic. It's just cl- plugs into the audio jack of my computer, $22. It's not an expensive product, but I was blown away by the packaging and the, and the way that they connected. So there's instructions and upsell and, um, how to connect and how to contact them with, uh, if they have any questions, that's just on the outside packaging and it's not done in a spammy way. And then you open the package and then there's a, um, there's a, uh, a paper band around the package, uh, the little, uh, carrying pouch that it comes in. It's like, Hey, if you have any trouble, um, you know, do this and this and this first, uh, and then, Hey, here's what's included in the, in the package. And then you open it again and then there's instructions again. And it's like, it doesn't seem overwhelming at all. And I was, I was blown away by this $22 lapel microphone that they, they went to so many links to make sure that the customer had all the information. And like, I'm going to leave them a, a product review uh, because like, I love the product before I even used it. Does that make sense? Like I was just really blown away that they went to that link to make sure that the customer knew exactly what was <laughs> in the package, how to connect them if they had any problems, um, where to go buy another, uh, like an, an accessory to it. And, and they just covered all the bases. And uh, that's how you get, that's another part of the process of getting reviews is it, that they created a connection with me. And it was just over just, you know, communication. Okay. So, you know, it helps with reviews. I I think we all agree that that's one of the, you know, the most important things that, that people can do, but we'll talk a little bit later about some of the other things that contacting your customers after the, the fact can help. But Right now, I want to talk a little bit on the same line on reviews. There's misconceptions out there. There's confusion about like what people can and can't say, how many times they're allowed to say it. I mean, a common thing that I get in the first place is, wait a minute, are we even allowed to ask customers for reviews anymore? So can you tackle some of these frequently asked questions, I guess, or misconceptions about terms of service and what we can and can't say? Yeah. Um, so in terms of what a seller in, can and cannot say is pretty simple. Uh, number one, that you can't have any promotional or marketing messages uh, in the context of the language that you're that you're um, communicating with the customers. Meaning when you're communicating with these customers for customer service only for issues about orders, um, instructions, best tips, practices, if there's any care instructions, anything like that. That's what is supposed to go in these messages. You can't say, hey, grab 20% off your next purchase. I, uh, we completely understand why you want to say that, but Amazon is very strict that you can't say anything like that. You can't direct them back to your Amazon storefront. 
Um, and, and again, we understand completely that it's, it's logical as a seller to try to upsell and, and, and for another and to get another purchase, repeat purchases. We understand it as sellers. It, it, it just makes sense. But Amazon doesn't want that in its messages. Um, there can't be any external links. So that means there's no email messages, no email addresses of any kind inside these messages. No links to like a YouTube channel or social media. Uh, like Facebook, so, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, anything like that. No, no, can't direct them back to your website. This is in the email messages. So again, Amazon just wants this for customer service only. You can certainly ask customers for Amazon buyers for a review, but you can only ask them one time per order. So if I buy a product from Bradley um, and he sends out three messages to me, only one of those emails can have a request for a review. And you want to be careful about when you send them. You don't want to send them. For example, you don't want to ask for a review as soon as somebody orders the product or as soon as it's delivered. Um, and then when to do that really depends on the type of product. But back to, I kind of got off topic. So back to what you can and cannot say, um, you know, you can't ask for positive feedback only. I've seen in the past sellers, big sellers and small sellers get suspended for language similar to, hey, if you have any questions, if you have any issues, contact us first before you leave a negative review. Now, that makes sense. Again, it makes logical sense as a business owner. You want to catch everybody that's having a bad experience and try to turn that negative into a positive. But that language, when you say contact us first before you leave a negative review, Amazon looks at it, that as you only want positive reviews. Well, yeah, we do. We only want positive reviews, but you have to be unbiased <laughs> about this. You have to. Um, now, you can certainly say, hey, if you have problems or questions, please contact us here. But you can't say, please do that before you leave a negative review. You can say, hey, please give us your feedback um, as a seller, how we did as a business. And you can ask for we would love to have your opinion about the product. So you can ask for product reviews. You can ask for seller feedback and you can ask people to contact you if you have problems and questions, but you can't intermingle that information and be like, if then statements. What are some things that you've seen? I mean, I know it's not too, too, too serious. Like I, I haven't, I mean, I'm, maybe you have, I personally haven't heard of somebody just because they worded something wrong, like immediate suspension of their entire account. But I mean, something that is more frequent at least that I've seen in message or not, I, I keep calling it message boards. I mean, this is not 1999 uh, Facebook groups and the like where people get like a kind of like a slap on the wrist or a warning message. Like, Hey, you did this in, in your buyer seller messages. Better not do that anymore. You know, like something like that kind of email, but like, what are some of those like borderline things that some people are putting in these messages that you have seen that frequently generates maybe these warning messages from Amazon. I guess like the, yeah, the slap on the wrist messages. Um, so uh, external links at the very least, Amazon will scrub it. So even if you put in an external link, Hey, view our video on our YouTube channel, Amazon just won't send it to the buyer. Um, there's uh, it just gets automatically scrubbed out. Um, so some of that stuff, if it's repeated, like external links, phone numbers, email addresses that get scrubbed. And if you keep on doing it, Amazon will be like, Hey, don't do that anymore. Um, 
that's as far as like the context inside it, that's really the most um, I, I am seeing sometimes where people get a, uh, a slap on the wrist message where, hey, you're you're sending promotional content context inside these messages like, hey, don't we we've noticed this. They'll either slap on the wrist or maybe delay or turn off your messages temporarily. And what, what kind of messages uh, generated that? Like, what were they saying? Did you ever look into like what caused that? Yeah, they were having like a coupon code with a link back to their like a two-step URL back to their um, back to their product with like a twenty percent off coupon code or something. Um, so very promotional, very marketing, uh, very repeat purchase. Uh, and then also, if you send out too many messages, uh, especially at one time, then Amazon can be like, "Hey, you're sending too many messages." At the very least, they'll just. Uh, if they catch something like that, if that's a flag, they'll at the very least they'll send you a message like, "Hey, you're sending out too many messages," um, and you know we've we've turned it off for a few days uh, because there's a and, and that's where you want to be very careful with uh, any type of email tool like follow up where if you can send to um, orders if you can send to past orders, meaning if I just signed up for follow up, I just enabled it, then. Uh, I want to be able to send back to the the past seven days. Well, if you just ran this huge promotion where you had like fifteen hundred orders in the past seven days, uh, and your and your account's not used to that, and then all of a sudden you send out three thousand messages over the course of yeah. seven days, Amazon could be like, "Hey, what's going on?" Um, and you you do that over the course of just a few days. There there's a you know there's a balance there, so you want to be very careful when you do stuff like that too. Okay. Now let's take it back a little bit. We had talked about some of the main reasons why somebody should be, you know, trying to contact their, their customers after the fact. And and we've been talking for a little bit, mostly about how it helps get reviews. Uh, Another thing I heard you mention about the seller feedback. I imagine that's uh, especially helpful for those, uh, you know, like arbitrage sellers, wholesale sellers, maybe they're doing some fulfilled by merchant. They're very concerned about their seller feedback score because that, that plays a role into you know, them fighting for buy box with other, with other sellers, but other than seller feedback, other than reviews, what else would you say uh, would be a major reason to follow up with your customers via email? Uh, for me, I, I look at it as this, it's just an opportunity to turn a negative into a positive and to uncover any, um, any things that, that people don't like about your product or they actually love, you know, you might be able to, if you're asking people, like you're asking engaging questions like, hey, why did you buy this? What what led you to buy this product? Or, you know, uh, is there anything that you think that we can improve upon the product? All that information is gold. Like any information you can get from your buyer is just gold. And, they, and if you're getting it for free through like something like that, it's just absolute. It's even better. But you might be able to uncover something like, well, I bought this. You know, you might see see that a lot of people are buying your products as gifts. Well, then maybe it's a seasonal product. Maybe it's for men and you you start targeting towards uh, gifts for him and maybe during Father's Day and 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 stuff like that. So you might be able to and then you start targeting those kind of keywords, you know, Father's Day gifts, gifts for him. So you might be able to uncover some information that way. But also you might find that. Let's say everything's been going great with your manufacturer, but they send a bad batch for whatever reason. It's either if it's a consumable, it, it expired early, for example. And you, you could find out that a lot of people are leaving negative reviews because um, it smells bad. It expired. 
So you could be able to really catch something just by getting that information in just those messages as well. Does that make sense? You know, like, yeah. it, like uncovering yeah. that before all of a sudden you order, you know, everything's going great. And you're like, wow, I was doing really great, but I got a few negative reviews, but you're not asking people questions in, in these follow-up messages. So you don't know what's going on. All of a sudden you just got a ton of negative messages, negative reviews. So in a nutshell, it's kind of like it helps with customer service. Absolutely. But also too, the, with, with the, there's two filters that are really important that to me to get underutilized in follow-up is there's a trigger for if anybody returns a package a product or if anybody gets a refund. And the reason we have those two different is some people might just need a replacement. Like I ordered a product a few weeks ago and I talked about this in the workshop that I just needed a replacement. I didn't need, I didn't want a refund. I just wanted them to, the first one came damaged. So I just got a replacement, but then there's also one for somebody gets a refund. So you can have two separate triggers. And, you know, for me, I have it just set up. If somebody uh, has a product returned or replaced, um, and or if it's refunded, the, the message is very clear. It's like, hey, it looks like we might have dropped the ball. I see that you got your product returned, replaced. And, you know, the other both messages are very similar, but it's, hey, it looks like we might have dropped the ball somewhere. Is everything OK? How can we make this right for you? And for the majority of those people that you can't try to contact that way, most of them aren't going to reply. They're just not. But what if you can take that one person that's like, I'm really mad that I, I wanted a refund because it was damaged in shipping. Well, that's your golden opportunity. You could be like, well, I'm really sorry to hear about that. Can I, can I make this right and just send you another one? And what if that person's like, oh my gosh, they went out of their way to contact me and then out of their way to replace the product. I'm leaving them a five-star review. And the great thing about that situation is it's not going to happen all the time, but when it does happen, it's automated. And then speaking of customer service, you know, I've heard that some people use it for like, maybe they have something, you know, obviously a uh, mason jar wouldn't need instructions on how to use it. But like, you know, it could be that maybe that lapel microphone or whatever that you got is kind of strange to put the plastic clip piece on or something, but a PDF that has instructions on how best to install it. That is definitely something that somebody could put in a follow-up message, right? Absolutely. And if you're, and if you're, if you have something that, that has instructions, you've probably got instructions somewhere. You, you should have them on your listing. You should have them in your packaging. And if you already have them there, you've got that PDF already in some form. If not create a PDF with it, turn that document into a PDF and attach it because you never know if somebody missed it on the listing. You never know if somebody just threw away the instructions like all of us guys do. We don't, we don't read instructions, but then maybe they'd happen to see the email. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's how you do something. Like you want to take every opportunity you can to touch these people. Now, now sometimes people who are familiar with traditional email marketing, you know, I've heard things like, Hey, now in this day and age, 2019, you know, we get like 2% open rates on our email. So in your experience, you know, regardless, not just talking about helium 10, but just in general, especially now that Amazon buyers can opt out of these kind of messages. What kind of open rates are you seeing on emails overall? Would you say on average? You know, we, we can run numbers on our end um, and across the board, the average is around 20, 21%. Oh, wow. That's across the board of all our customers. Now you're going to have some people lower than that and you're going to have some people higher than that. We had a couple of people on the call last week and uh, one guy said he had a 41% open rate using follow-up. 
And when we started talking to him, because you asked him specifically, what is he? Oh, yeah. I remember that. So we were asking him and he had really great subject line. The five tips to do this with this product, you know, three steps to this. So any information you can give somebody, if you're going to have best tips, best care practices, you know, I wouldn't put if you have 25 best tips, don't put them all in there. Or if you do make the subject line top three tips on how to take care of this product or, you know, especially if it's a beauty product or a supplement, like sometimes supplements you need to eat with a meal. Sometimes you need to take only with water. Sometimes, you know, there's all different types of scenarios and with beauty products, uh, you know, I know what works really well is instructions, how to use this type of cosmetic, how to use this type of beauty product Uh, videos work. Of course, videos work the best, but in an email form like that, instructions if you have instructions be very clear but tell the people in the subject this is what's in here you know tell them instructions inside okay that's cool that's cool so what are some other things that you know you've only been doing this a, a couple months here but i'm sure you know with the amount of messages that you see and, and the amount of research that you've been doing let's talk about some of the common misconceptions we talked a little bit about it you know before but what are some other misconceptions that people have not necessarily about the helium 10 follow-up tool but just following up in general what what are some misconceptions or maybe incorrect things that people are saying and believing out there um you know a, a lot of it is um you know I guess the number one is uh, that can we even ask for review is something like follow-up or any type of email autoresponder compliant with Amazon's terms of service? The answer there is, of course, yes. Like we know me and you working at Helium 10, of course it's compliant. Like we go above and beyond to make sure things are compliant. Um, But can you misuse follow-up? Absolutely. I can also misuse Amazon PPC. I can misuse Facebook advertising. So um, the software by itself is compliant with Amazon's developer terms of service and seller terms of service. Um, but asking people for reviews, absolutely compliant. Like if you go in there, if you go to Seller Central, you can go to Seller University and it's in several different places. Um, Amazon states that you can contact people and ask them for a review. They also state that they send out messages automatically asking to leave by reviews, but you can also still follow up with those people. That's probably the biggest question like about, you know, the biggest misconception. Um, I guess the second one really uh, encompasses several different questions, but it's really about customer data. Um, can I use a customer's name in an email sequence or why can't I use it anymore? Um, and, you know, can I download customer information? And the answer to all that is no. Amazon is um, Amazon as well as any tech company these days is really focused on privacy and they should be. Um, they've given, they've restricted the ability to use something like a customer's first name in a tool, like an email autoresponder. Um, you also cannot export those customer details to put them in a spreadsheet or to send them to Facebook. Um, you know, and, and that information that's just against Amazon's terms for developers, software providers like Helium 10. Um, 
you know, and again, it goes back to privacy, uh, you know, something like a customer's name that, and this is something that's pretty recent. It was a few months ago that Amazon changed the rules and they changed it for everybody. And, um, it's just something we have to comply with. Of course, we want that first name as business owners. We want to have that first name in the email because it creates a more personal touch, but it's also Amazon's rules and it's Amazon's playground. We have to do what they say to, to keep nice with them as software providers, just as much as sellers do. So um, those are the two biggest um, misconceptions right there. Um, and then uh, I guess the last one, we get this question a lot too about if I turn on or enable follow-up and I start setting everything up, is my other service provider that I switch from, is that going to stop automatically? The answer is no, because number one, we don't know who you're using. We don't get to, just because we're connected to your account so we can send these messages on your behalf doesn't mean we get to see everything that encompasses your Seller Central account. We don't know who you're using um, and we're not connected to that in any way. So you have to go disconnect that service, um, canceling it you know, throughout, throughout the process with that software provider. Um, and you want to make sure that that's turned off before you turn on another tool like follow-up because you certainly don't want two email services sending out probably the same context for, for the same orders. Number one, it creates a negative experience for the customers. But again, you don't want to run into a situation where Amazon's like, you're, you're doubling up on these messages. You're sending the same message over and over again. Um, at the very least, it would be a slap on the wrist. So I'd say that's really the top three, um, top three questions we get quite a bit. And then now, you know, a while back, we had added a percentage discount filter on follow-up. But regardless if somebody's using Helium 10 or another tool company that's sending out emails, why is it best to try to weed out or filter based on discount percentage? And then what is your suggested practice for that, for what people should put in that field? That's a great question. So Bradley... Um that's something that that's, Amazon kind of changed, I would say maybe about six months ago. Um, basically, you don't want to send out any messages asking for reviews if anybody purchased your product at a large discount. Um, and the reason that there's a couple of answers to that question. The first one is Amazon doesn't, basically Amazon doesn't like a lot of reviews in a short amount of time from purchases made at a large discount because they can look at that as incentivized reviews. Now they very well might not be incentivized in any way, but Amazon can, can look at that. Now, if you get one person that, that, that uh, got a 50% off or 75% off and happened to leave a review one or two people, that's not a big deal. But if all of a sudden you ran a promotion, um, you know, let's say you ran a Facebook campaign, 75% off, 80% off, whatever you, whatever you did. And you're asking all these people and all of a sudden you got 150, um, or, you know, a large amount of sales and you're asking for review and all of a sudden you got maybe 30, 40 reviews. That's a, that's a flag. That's a, it's a, a flag that will pop up for your account. We don't like flags on our accounts. No flags. It's like soccer, no flags. So, um, but so that, that's the short end of that. Now you can certainly contact these people and give them, um, instructional information and customer service and, and follow up that way. Just not ask for a review. Okay. So I don't know if you mentioned it. Did, did you mention a specific percentage that you suggest? Uh, I, I would say in general, if you're going to give out any more than a 50% discount, just don't ask them for a review. 
you know, if it's, a, if it's, if it's a beauty product, certainly send out those tips and instructions to best use that product and get the best experience. Just don't ask them for a review. Okay. All right. Now what a, talk to us a little bit more about the opt out. Now, like I said, a lot of people are opting out of buyer seller messages. However, correct me if I'm wrong. This is not seller specific. So it's not like, Hey, I don't like Barkus's product here or Barkus's messaging. So I didn't, I don't want to hear from him anymore. It's either kind of like an all or nothing thing. Like buyers can opt out of all buyer seller messages or they can accept all. Is that correct? Yes. So what's the average, uh, would you say, you know, we talked about the open rates, you know, being around 20%, but what's the average that you've seen as far as how many Amazon buyers actually opt out of this kind of messaging? Yeah. So the opt out rate that we show on our dashboard that doesn't mean that somebody has opted out of sell of, of just like your messages. Like Bradley said, this is somebody who is opted out of Amazon's third party messaging system. And the only way you can really contact those, um, those people is if you have critical information. Um, and that's really part of another discussion, but there's a way manually through Amazon that if you have critical information, like let's say, um, you had a product, uh, their product was unable to, it was not deliverable. Or if it's a custom product, uh, if you're in handmade, for example, and you need custom instructions, like I need, I need Barks's name. I need to know how to spell this so I can put it on this product and then send it out. There's ways to send out those messages. Um, the opt-out rate is just blanket. How many people have like the percentage that opted out in a certain period of time um, while you're sending out messages. So it's really kind of a generic number, but it's still useful because we can't, we can't, um, as software providers, we can't track any clicks inside those messages. So there's no way to, to really see that it's because of this, it's because of that. But I would say that the average, um, what we're seeing so uh, we're looking at like 23% right now for an opt-out rate. And that is actually, let me go, let me just pull the last 30 days. Yeah, about 23%, 24%. So yes, there's, there's a significant amount of people that opt out of these messages. Um, but again, like my, my whole thing is this is automated. Once you have this set up and running, you don't, you can monitor it, but you don't have to, connect with these people over and over again, manually set it and forget it. Uh, so yes, it's getting harder and harder to contact these people, Amazon buyers through the buyer seller messaging program, but that's why we automate it. So you don't have to really, really worry about it too much. Okay. Now, uh, what are some other things, you know, we're coming to the close of this, but what are some other things in your experience, you know, that that's come up that you feel message should be out there either could be misconceptions. It could be frequently asked questions. It could be some cool testimonial that we've gotten about how somebody was happy. It was kind of cool to remember that, that one who said he gotten a 40% open rate just because it was subject matter. So what else, you know, some new features that helium 10 follow-up has or any promotions or anything at all. What, uh, what can you, what can you tell us? Sure. Um, so a few things, a couple of new, um, the biggest, the biggest uh, feature that we've changed in the past couple of months is you now have uh, there's an HTML. You can you can send an HTML formatted message, meaning that you can really start to customize these messages instead of just a little bit of text and a little bit of images. 
Um, so that means that you can send um, uh, GIFs. Uh, you can send. Oh, like an animated GIF? Yeah, an animated GIF. Um, and now you can already do that through the system. You just upload it as you do an image. Um, you can you can also put in a, a link for you can put in a link for a video. But if you're going to do that, I would recommend that you use Amazon's AWS S3 storage. Uh, if you Google Amazon AWS S3 storage, you'll be taken to Amazon. There's the AWS is is a multitude of things that we're not going to get into, but I'm going to get into a later workshop on how to properly store those. It's not really hard, um, but there's a lot of things. There's a lot of buttons to click and there's a lot of stuff you really don't need to click, but it's really a, a, the reason you want to put a video there is because that creates an Amazon link. So Amazon treats that as an internal link. And then that's okay to put that link there. So if you have an instructional video, uh, going back to beauty products, videos are a great way to show how to use that video, how to use that product. If you have a video on YouTube, download it, upload it up to Amazon's S3 storage. And then you can be like, hey, here's how to use this product. Okay. So you can have a, a video in there you can do, and you can really customize, you can have, uh, but there's, there's also, um, there's some limitations with the HTML that you can do within Amazon and they've got some limitations there, um, which there's a, that's another workshop that I want to plan because there's a lot of questions about how to use this properly, but that's the biggest thing. And it really, really opens up the customization of your email. All right, now we're going to play a little game here. I'm going to do some, I don't know what I'm going to call it. I might make this a, a feature. I just literally came up with the idea right now. Let's call it like 15 second elevator pitch. All right. So in 15 Uh-oh. seconds or less, give me some top performing or what Barkus's top suggested subject lines for a follow-up message. Give me a, give me okay. your 15 second pitch on why in 2019, it's important that people are following up regardless of the tool that they're using, or if they're doing it manually, why should people do this? Why should people contact customers go? It is harder and harder than ever to get reviews. So you want to maximize every opportunity you can to touch that person. People want information, but they don't want to have to ask for it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. One, one more thing here, 15 seconds or less. What is your number one tip for somebody who is just now starting to get up to, Hey, that I'm about to start my own automations, automated emails. What is the best tips that you could give somebody brand new to email automation when it comes to Amazon? Don't be afraid to use a little bit of humor. Um, and don't be afraid to ask Amazon buyer questions. Like what led you to buy our product? I like it. I like it. Humor. We didn't talk about that, but that's definitely something that's, you, you kind of want to, you know, be memorable and, and catch people's attention. So anyways, Marcus, thank you very much for joining us last second here on this podcast. I think this is very timely. Again, it doesn't matter what tool people are using. Of course, our customers, our listeners out there who are Helium 10 users, they have 
free access to follow up already as it is. But even if you're not using Helium 10, guys, contacting your customers after the order is important. But I think we've learned today that you got to be careful with it. There are things that you can't do that you can maybe get your email automation to do, but could get you in trouble. So make sure that you understand the terms of service. Re-listen to this episode so that you know what you can say, what you can't say, what you should do, what you shouldn't do as far as links and promotion goes. But guys, you're going to be able to see an increase in your reviews by doing this. And as Marcus says, this is something that you could just set and forget. And it's not like, you know, keyword, you know, research where every couple of weeks you maybe need to check out new trending keywords. I mean, unless something major is going on with your product, you could literally just set these emails out and, you know, forget about it for a couple months, you know, unless something major happens. So make sure you guys are taking advantage of of this feature. And if you don't know how to get set up with it, or you want uh, to have a trial uh, on how to use it, absolutely make sure if you're not using Helium 10 now, use the code SSP50, SSP50 to try it out for the first month. And then with the platinum plan, you're able to try out follow-up for a full month risk-free. If you're not happy with it, just ask for your money back at the end of the month. And once you do start using it, what you guys, if you have any questions at all, just hit that chat button on the bottom right and customer service will be happy to help you. And if they can't answer it, guess who they're going to go to? They're going to go to this gentleman right here, Barkus, and he'll, he'll definitely help you guys out. So again, Barkus, thank you very much for joining us. It's like 10 PM where you are at night. So I appreciate you coming on at this, this time of the day and look forward to seeing you when you come back here to the office. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.